So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, Mary. Hey, I don't know if uh, the overflow group over there can hear me. They may, they may have come in, but uh, now that our kids are out uh, in their classrooms, there's some more space in here. So if you're out there and uh, need a space, you come on in. If somebody comes, just squeeze in the middle, you know. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for today. Thanks for your word. And uh, thank you for the testimony we have of what Christ accomplished for us. Thank you for sending your son. God, we know apart from your work, apart from your grace, uh, we would have nothing. We wouldn't have any way uh, to know you. We wouldn't have any way uh, to, to have the authority to come to you. And so, God, we come to you surely on grace, based on what you've done and that alone. God, we come and we celebrate you today, especially this Easter Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection. God, we thank you for the new life we have in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have I told you I'm glad you're here today? I am really glad you're here today and super thankful for the chance to worship the Lord with you. Uh, whatever you may, whether this is your home church uh, or whether you're visiting for the first time today, we are super glad you are here. Uh, I know it's Easter Sunday, but I, I don't take it for granted that you would be in worship today. There are probably many more people not in worship today still that, uh, than that are in worship, so I don't take it for granted, and I count it a privilege and a joy to worship with you. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good reasons to be here. You know that? There's a lot of really good reasons to be uh, at, in worship and to be a part of this gathering here today. Uh, if, you, if you know the people around here, you, 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 the, one of the reasons you may be here today is that uh, you've connected with some people. And you know, there's some good people that are part of this church, aren't there? Many of you have been here longer than I have, and uh, some of you maybe are, are more recent. But we are just so blessed by such good people uh, that are part of Infinity Church. So if you're here today because somebody invited you, somebody you know is here, that's a, that's a good thing. It's a good reason to be here today. Or you may come because you really like good music, and we have a really good worship band, don't we? They just do such a great job, and we are so privileged. And so maybe that's one of the main things that draws you in. Maybe music is the thing that, that connects you uh, to worship today, and that's, that's why you come. Or maybe you've got young ones, and uh, the fact that we have a children's ministry where the kids will go for 30 minutes uh, apart from you, uh, maybe that's why. No, no. You're here because you want them to learn, and you, you mainly come for the children or the youth connections that you have here. Those are great reasons to come. Or, or honestly, you might come to Easter Sunday worship 
just because that's what people do. You just, yeah, that's your habit. That's a good habit to be in, right? There are, there are a lot less, a lot worse habits there are in the world out there than coming to church on Easter Sunday or any Sunday. Well, those are good reasons to be here. But of all those good reasons, can I give you one more reason to be here? And, and I would submit it's the greatest reason. There, there are lots of good reasons to be here, but there's a, there's a great reason to be here. This isn't, if this is not why you came here originally, you can change your answer to this one. And it can be both. It can be a both hand. But here's, here's the, the best reason to be here. We wish to see Jesus. We wish to see Jesus. And I don't mean in some magical, supernatural way that he's going to physically appear here. It's much better than that, actually. It's with eyes of faith that have been opened by the Spirit of God himself that we can actually know and have a relationship with and commune with the risen Savior because He's not dead. He is alive. The best reason to be a part of an Easter Sunday service or any Sunday service or to go about any day of your life, the best thing we can seek after, the greatest reason to be here, is that we wish to see Jesus. All the other reasons that I mentioned may be a part of that. It may be the music that helps you connect with Him and you, you come to know Him. It may be the people that the way they show grace to you and love to you helps you see and know Jesus better. It may be our children's workers who are giving up their Easter Sunday morning to be serving right now. It may be our youth classes. There may be other parts of this. There are good reasons to be here that ultimately point to the greatest reason, and that is we wish to see Jesus. In the passage we just heard from John chapter 12, there's a group of people who approached one of Jesus' disciples, and that's their request. They say, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. So the first question I have for you this morning is, is that your desire too? Is that what's on your heart? Do you come to church this morning? Do you come on an Easter Sunday with that being the desire of your heart? Again, there's lots of other good things that are going on, lots of good reasons to be here, but deep in your soul, do you desire... Has God changed you? Has He moved in your heart in such a way that you don't desire secondary things or even evil things? Instead, your desire is to see Jesus. That's my question, and that's my request. Nothing wrong with enjoying the other blessings, good gifts God's given us, good things God's given us. But He's here. He is alive. He has risen. And so you can see Him. You can know Him. You can experience lots of great things. If, you, if you've already had a, a good morning, I don't know, we give our, our kids a little Easter basket, so they, they've eaten half a chocolate bunny, and they're having a great day so far, you know. Maybe you've already had some good morning experiences. Maybe you had, I know our 930 classes were full. It was a really good time there. Maybe you had some good time at home. Maybe you've got some good things that are coming up later on today. Maybe you've got lunch plans or, or dinner plans or no plans. That sounds nice. Maybe you got something good coming today, and you, at the end of today, as you look back at the end of the day, and you say, this today was a success because, what would you say, what made today good? I'll submit to you that there can be lots of good things, but there's one thing that can make today great, and that's that we saw Jesus. I got to meet with, I got to know, I got to spend time with the risen Savior of the world. There's nothing better than that. Is that a desire of your heart? Is that what you come seeking today? to see Jesus. And the reality is that's not just an Easter Sunday thing, is it? It's not even just an every Sunday thing. And in all of our lives and all that we do, there's lots of good things you can be doing. Lots of good things you can be pursuing in life. 
good gifts that God gives us. It, it is right and good and, and holy if God so directs your life to pursue things like a marriage or kids or, or raising a family. It, it's good to pursue an, an education or, or a good job or meaningful work. It's good to pursue even you know, having a home, building a place for your family. What, whatever it is, there are good, meaningful things to do. But I can't tell you there's one great thing. There's one ultimate thing. Far and above all those other things, we wish to know Jesus. That's a desire not just on Easter Sunday, not just once a year, not just every seven days. We desire to see Him day in and day out. We long to know Him and to see Him. So is that true of your life, not just today, but in all of life? What are you seeking after? What, what's the, the thing that you say, this is, this is what's making life good right now? As you get to the end of this week, this month, this season, and you can look back over that, that, that day, week, month, a year, whatever, and say, hey, this was a success because, what would you say? It, this was a great year because here's our financial bottom line. Here's how we did at work. Here, here's how, what we did, what we accomplished as a family. Here's the places we got to go. Here are the things we got to do. Those can all be good things. But can you get to the end of your day today, your month, your family's season of life, whatever you're in, you say, this is what made today great. We spent time with Jesus. We know Jesus better now than we did at the beginning of this. We have spent time, we have seen the risen Savior. I don't know what desires are on your heart. I don't know what your family's seeking after. I don't know what's your career path or what you're focusing on. But this is the greatest thing to seek. Knowing Jesus Christ. He isn't dead. He's alive. And you can know Him. We wish to see Him. That's what a group of Greeks did one day about a week before Jesus was resurrected, dead, crucified and resurrected, they came to a young man by the name of Philip. It's a good name, isn't it? <laughs> this is the guy I, I was named after, uh, not necessarily because of this moment uh, in Philip's life, but I was named after the disciple Philip. So I, I have kind of adopted this moment, this verse, as kind of a, a, a mission of my life, a kind of a, a vision for my life. It, it's almost a, a passing verse. It, it's almost like a setup for what Jesus is about to say next. That's, that's the main point. That's where we're getting to. But I, it's, for me, it's, it's worth pausing on it because for every Sunday that I come here and really in all of my life, what, what I imagine is going on is that all of you and everybody around me, what they're really asking me is, sir, we wish to see Jesus. It's right here. I have a little plaque right here. So I remember it every Sunday. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. The greatest joy in all of life is knowing Jesus for yourself. Let me tell you the second greatest joy, showing Jesus with your life. I want you to know him. I want you to know him so you can point other people, so they can come to you and say, Sir, ma'am, I want to know Jesus. I want to see him. And I'll tell you, even if they don't say it, even if they're not what they're asking, they may not say those words to you, but we know we are created in the image of God. Deep in our soul, the, the gap we have in our lives is that each and every person, that's what they really need. So they may not say it to you, but that's what they're saying. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Ma'am, I need help. I need Jesus. That's what they're saying to you day in and day out. Are you spending time with him? Do you know him? Do you desire him for yourself? So then you can share it, share him with other people. As we look to Jesus, I, I imagine for, for many of you, this isn't your first encounter with the Lord. Maybe you haven't been in church in a while, but, but I imagine many of you, whether you, you've been in Infinity for a long time or other churches, or you've been around church, and so you kind of have some ideas about who Jesus is and what He does. So I, I, as I say that, we wish to see Him. We wish to seek Him 
you've got some expectations, right? You have some, some ideas about what he's like and, and what it means to spend time with him, what it means to know him. So I wonder, what are your expectations? These Greeks, a group of people, were coming and they, they wanted to, to see Jesus. They wanted to meet him. They'd heard some things about him. They, they wanted to know. So what, what were their expectations? What are your expectations when you come to seek Jesus? Not just because it's Easter Sunday, but every day. What do you expect? Expectations have a, a big role here, don't they? Because expectations matter a lot in life. You know, they say in marriage, the biggest thing you argue about is actually having different expectations, isn't it? You may think it's about the money or about whatever else, but really it's, I expected to spend money this way and she expected to spend money this way. It's the different expectations that actually got us in trouble. Or I expected that when he got home from work, this is what he was going to do. But in reality, he thought when I get home from work, this is what, he had different expectations and it leads to a fight. That's not just in marriage, that's in all kinds of different things. Our kids on Friday were out of school, uh, without have, they didn't have school Friday, so my kids, they slept in, they had a great time just sleeping in, enjoying some extra rest. They got up, they played at home, they actually ended up coming here and playing in our playground here at the church for a little while, and then I took them, I was going to take them to pizza lunch with a couple guys. I was taking them out for pizza, and you know what, we're sitting in the parking lot about to go in the restaurant, and my son, Micah, is almost in tears, and you could look at that day and go, what, why is he upset? You know why he was upset? His little sister got croup and had to go to the doctor Friday morning. She's fine. But they were supposed to go to the Columbia Zoo on Friday. And so it was a letdown. As good as the pizza was going to be, it was a letdown. His expectations weren't met. When we have a certain expectation and they're not met, we're, we're let down. You know what the problem is, though? It's not always that the circumstance. It's our expectations. When you come to Jesus, when you come seeking Jesus, what do you expect him to do? What do you expect to find when you meet Jesus? When you spend time with Him, when you come to Him, when you come seeking Him, what do you expect of Jesus? The Greeks, they do, were doing the best they could. I, I imagine that, they, that nothing, there was nothing wrong about what they were doing, but they didn't, they didn't have all the story yet, so I, I don't think that they had their expectations quite in line. Again, not that they were doing anything wrong, but just they didn't know the story yet, so they didn't have the, quite the right expectations for Him. We don't get a lot of the background, but... I think they weren't quite in line. I, I got married to read verse 19. She even asked me. I thought she might. Why did you start in verse 19? There's, there's a section break here. I like this phrase that the Pharisees say. The Pharisees, this is right after Jesus has been celebrated coming into Jerusalem. And the Pharisees say to one another, look, the world has gone after him. And they say it with such frustration. They're, they're angry. They don't like people following Jesus because they want people to listen to what they said. And they said the world, the whole world, all these different people are going after Jesus. They don't know just how much they are prophesying about what's to come. This group of Greeks, so this is a, a, just a general word, doesn't necessarily mean they're from Greece, probably just meaning Gentile, non-Jewish. So they are people who, who haven't been around Jesus much, but they're coming in from Passover. They're coming to worship at the temple, and they have heard something about Jesus. The world is starting to hear something about Jesus. Why? Well, just a chapter before, he raised a man from the dead. Lazarus was dead for four days, and he came out of the grave when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. Word has spread about, about him taking just five loaves and two fish and multiplying it so that he could feed 5,000 men plus women and children. Word has spread about the time he showed up at a wedding and everybody was, they were out of wine. Then all of a sudden when Jesus said something, there was more than enough wine and good wine for everybody. Word has spread about this wise teacher who has just an incredible wisdom and authority that when he opens his mouth, something's different about him. And the world's going after him. The world's going after him. He's popular. He's a good teacher. He's working miracles. And so when these Greeks come, what do they expect when they come to meet Jesus? 
What do they expect? They want to see him, but what do they expect when they come to see him? Jesus' disciples, Philip, and then he takes along a friend, Andrew, they come to Jesus and pass along this request. And when Jesus responds, it's a little curious. The question was, hey, these, these people want to see you, Jesus. And listen to how Jesus responds. John 12, 23, 24, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. By, by themselves, those are incredibly powerful verses. But as an answer to, hey, can these people see you? It's a little confusing, right? Like, was that a yes or no, Jesus? I'm not exactly sure what you were saying here, right? I think it's a yes, but not in the way that the Greeks were asking. They probably just wanted to see who this guy was, what he's like. They wanted to be around somebody who's got some, some fame. He's, he's, he's got some, his, his attention, people are growing. He's getting more and more attention. They just wanted to be around him. And Jesus says, yes, you're going to see me, but not like you expected to see me. They wanted to just see him, just meet him or something. But here's how they get to see Jesus. See Jesus go through death and into life. That's how we're invited to see Jesus today. See Jesus go through death and into life. Maybe the Greeks just wanted to shake his hand, hear something wise he had to say. Maybe if they got lucky, they'd see another miracle or something. But what Jesus says, I got, this is going to be a lot better than that. It's not what you expect. It's very different than they expected, but it's a lot better. You notice in the story, we don't actually get the answer of whether the Greeks got to meet them right there. Like it just, it just skips over it. We don't know. We just left out. And I think for John, as he's recording this story for us, that was intentional. Because whether the Greeks got to shake his hand that day or not isn't really the point. The first people who read John's gospel, just like us, we can't shake his hand. We're not there. And I think what John's telling us is we, as the readers 2,000 years later, we get to see Jesus just like the, Jesus said they got to see him. We get to see Jesus crucified and resurrected. We may come to Jesus one, with one level of expectation, but this is how Jesus wants you to see him going through death and into life. Sometimes people come to Jesus expecting and asking for one more thing, right? One more thing. Jesus, I, I know you've done a lot, but I need one more sign that you really are real. Jesus, I need, I need one more sign. I need, I need this, this obstacle in my life to change. If you really can hear me, God, here's, here's what I need to happen. Here's the thing I need you to do. God, I'm really in a bind right now. I need one more miracle. I need one more thing to change. I need, I need your power to be on display right here, God. God, I need, I need healing right here. If you really are real, I need you to hear this request. I need one more blessing. I need this paycheck to stretch a little further. I need this relationship to be mended. This is what I need. Those can be good questions, good, good requests of God. It's okay. He even encourages us to ask Him for those things. Do we, but do we realize we need something even more than all that? We need more than just the power. We need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. So many people come to Jesus asking for one more thing, but what we really needed was the cross. I don't know what the Greeks came looking for. I don't know if they were just looking for a show, the, the pyrotechnics of Jesus' ministry. I don't know what they're looking for. We don't know. But I, I know that they didn't know this. They needed the cross, and so do we. We need to see Jesus, and we need to see Jesus who goes through death and into life. 
We come to Jesus maybe only expecting the good things, the easy things, the simple things, the fun things. But when it comes to Christ, we got to know we, we, need, we need the cross. The Bible is pretty clear that there's no Easter without Good Friday. That seems obvious, right? And yet so many times we come to Jesus or we come through life only wanting the, the good day. Not knowing that we had to go through the cross. We had to go through the tough day, the dark day to get to this point. So if we're going to see Jesus, I, I want to make sure you don't miss this. Don't miss the glory of the cross. Don't miss the glory of who Jesus is and what He has done for us. See Jesus as He goes through death and into life. Jesus says in verse 23 that the hour has come, this moment has arrived for Him to be glorified. Now glorified is a, a good Bible word, a good church word, probably not a word you use on a day-to-day -day basis, but you might use the word glorious. You go outside today, and I haven't been outside in the last hour or so, but it's a glorious day, I think, out there, right? We would say something's glorious if it is, it's beautiful, it's spectacular, it's, it's, it's amazing. And this is just, wow, this is awe-inspiring. It is glorious. And so Jesus is saying, what's about to happen is that. Glorious, beautiful, majestic, awe-inspiring. And so many times in the Bible, when we see that word, what it's talking about is when we get to be with God in heaven. Jesus even says that in John 17, that one day He will be glorified. He will be back in the glory with His Father in heaven. So that's definitely part of what Jesus is saying. But that's not the only thing He's saying. He's not just talking about the life. He is also talking about death itself. Here's what He says. Right after He says He's going to be glorified, He says, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. What's glorious to Jesus? What's this hour of glorification? What's this moment where he is celebrated, where people say, this is, wow, this is amazing? It's him dying on a cross. He says that is glorious. Now, it also ends in the resurrection, but the cross is included. Why in the world would Jesus say that his death and resurrection are glorious? This was this is a brutal death. I mean, any death is bad, but this is a brutal and shameful death. This is not a beautiful picture. This is not quietly you know, drifting off to pass away in your sleep. This is gory and shameful. And yet he calls it glorious. The reason it's glorious is that for every single one of us, we have a lifetime worth of sins that all deserve for us to be on that cross. Do you know that? The wages of sin is death for every single one of your sins, not just the total compilation of all of them, but for every single one we deserve to be on that cross. And you know what Jesus deserved? He's the only person who ever lived who had a lifetime of perfect obedience for which he deserved to enter back into the Father's presence without the cross. And yet he went to that cross in our place. That is glorious. You want to see Jesus? Do you want to see Him for who He is? Do you want to see His nature, His character? Do you want to understand what He's all about, who He is at His core? See Christ crucified and resurrected. That is who He is. If you want to know Him, you see Him on the cross who is dying for rebels, dying for sinners, dying for people who are His enemies. He is dying for His disciples who have just scattered. He's dying for Peter who just forsook Him three times denying that He knew Him. He is dying for us though we have rejected Him. And that is the most beautiful sight 
the most glorious sight, the most spectacular news in all of human history, that he was willing to go there when we deserve to be on that cross. That's why it's glorious. That's why it's incredible. That's why it's beautiful. You and I come to Jesus looking for a healer. We come looking for a teacher. We come looking for somebody to, to give us a, just one more, one more sign, one more thing. And he maybe give us all those things. He certainly can and does. But we get something sometimes we didn't even ask for or didn't realize we needed. We get a Savior. We get a Savior. When we come to Jesus, we recognize when we see Him in the Bible, we see He went through death in order to have life. This death is just such an unexpected way, and He, he explains it using a, a kernel of wheat. You, you know what happens if you take a, a kernel of, of wheat or any kind of seed and you put it on your kitchen counter so that you can see it? Or, or maybe for extra safekeeping, you, you put that kernel in a, a nice little Tupperware container. It's you know, transparent, so you can keep looking, and you put it on your counter. You know what happens? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But you know what happens if a farmer who knows what he's doing, doesn't work for me, but other people I hear, a farmer takes a kernel, and he goes outside in the elements where there's like, you know, rain and thunder and lightning and wind and all kinds of things and hot sun. And he, he finds some good soil and he digs a hole and he buries it like you would do to somebody who's died. You, you cover them up and the, the farmer puts that in the soil and covers it up. You know what happens? That can grow and multiply. Jesus says that is what his life is like. He is going to lay down his life and, and it looks awful. If you didn't know a thing about farming, you said, I got this, this seed and it's valuable to me. Why are you putting it in the dirt? Because that's the only way it's going to bear fruit. Jesus came and told his disciples that. They didn't understand. The Greeks didn't understand here. But I want you to understand. I hope we can understand. That's what he did to give us life. If we want to see Jesus, we see that he has given up his life so that he could bear fruit. Just as it says in that verse that he fall, a seed must fall into the earth to produce fruit. So in verse 32 he says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Grain, when it falls into the earth, dies and produces fruit. Jesus died up on the cross so that he could produce the fruit of drawing all people to himself. The Pharisees had no idea how much they were prophesying that the whole world, all these people from all over, were going to come and follow him. Jesus' death looked like the greatest defeat in all of human history. How could you say you're winning, Jesus? You're up on a cross. Satan thought he won. The Pharisees thought they won. The religious leaders thought they won. Pilate thought he won. They thought they were all done with it. And yet, Satan lost. Jesus won. That is what's glorious. I, I pray that in your heart, in your mind, as you're thinking about who Jesus is and what he's done, that you would get a, a foretaste of his glory because of the cross that he went through and the death he was willing to die. That's the fruit he's coming to, to, bear, to bring. He wants to see you to see the fruit, to be a part of his kingdom, and to come to know him. And that fruit is only possible because he went through death and into life. That's what the resurrection's about. That's what Easter's about. The Good Friday came before Easter Sunday. We may come for a certain thing from Jesus, but we often get so much more. We get a Savior. You may come to Jesus seeking a relationship to be mended. You may come seeking some good thing, but instead we get something far greater, eternal salvation. Do you see Him today? Do you see what He's like? Do you see what He has accomplished for us? If so, I pray that He'll be glorified in you today that your faith will grow, that you would see Him and, and savor Him and enjoy Him in a greater way. 
And if you can see him, then I, I want you to read the next couple of verses to see what he's asking you to do in response. When we read verse 23, I think it is, uh, 24, we recognize he's, he's talking primarily about himself. This grain's got to fall. This is what Jesus is describing what's going to happen to him. He's probably, this is probably Sunday right before his crucifixion. So the end of the week, he's talking about the end of the week. He is going to be like a seed that falls into the earth that dies and bears much fruit. But then the next verse, he switches who he talks about. Do you notice this? He's not longer, no longer talking just about himself. He starts talking about us. Verse 25 and 26, whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. What Jesus tells his disciples is that what Jesus is about to do is for their salvation and it's for their imitation. He is coming to give his life, to lay down his life in order that he may pick up his life. To give his sacrifice everything in order to share salvation with the world. And when he says, if you want to follow me, then you come and do likewise. When Jesus tells, this, tells his disciples this, he's giving them a pattern. So I want you to see Jesus as he goes through death and resurrection. And then the call of God's word is to follow Jesus through death and into life. If you want to truly know him, if you want to truly walk with him, then it's not always a path that's smooth sailing, is it? It is a path just like Jesus through death and into resurrection. That means at least two things for us. The, the way we become a Christian and the way we live as a Christian, both of those are through death in order that we may have life. Do you want to put your faith in Jesus? Do you know what it means to be a Christian? It means I have turned away from my sins. I'm no longer following after my own desires. I'm dying to myself and instead putting my, my faith, my trust in Jesus Christ. He is my Savior. I'm believing in Him and no longer following the desires of my own heart which is I am dying to myself in order that I may live with Christ. Colossians 3.3, 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you're a Christian today, this is what happened. You died to yourself in order that you may have life. You, the old you, has passed away and the new has come. The only way you can have life is if you died and came to life spiritually. This is what we celebrated last week for four people with celebrating their baptism. Romans 6, 4. We were buried with Him, therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, by the, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Death leads to life. That's what happens when you become a Christian. Follow Jesus into death means I'm turning from my sin. I'm no longer following my own desires. I'm trusting in Jesus above me. I'm dying to myself. But that doesn't just happen once. It happens once to be saved. But then every day of the Christian life is that same pattern. Death that leads to life. Romans 9, I mean, uh, Luke 9.23, If anyone would come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself and take up his cross uh, every once in a while. No, no, no. Take up his cross once a month. One, no, once a week. No, no, no. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross daily. I think there's a, a kind of a common misconception or, or false expectations with Christians. That we say, hey, I, I got my life on track. I've turned from my sins. I've put my faith in Jesus. And now everything's going to go smoother. Maybe not perfect, but it's going to go smoother. 
because I got it on track. Now, there's going to be, if you, if you took out some bad habits in your life, and, I mean, there's going to be some things that probably are better. But there is no promise. There is no promise that this side of Christ returning or us going to be with Him, that life's going to be smoother as a Christian. There is absolutely no, In fact, He promises we're going to have trouble in this life. He is not promising smooth sailing just because you got baptized or you put your faith in Jesus. You know what? The, to the extreme form, that kind of teaching, we call that prosperity gospel. There's a prosperity movement that says, hey, if you just believe in Jesus, if you trust God enough, your bills will be paid and you actually make more money and all these good things on this earth will happen to you. And that is not from the Bible. That is not from God's Word. He says, you want to follow me? Pick up your nice 4K OLED TV and your lazy boy and just enjoy what? No, no, no. He doesn't. Take up your cross. The cross is a form of execution. We have sin in our lives and we have troubles around us. He says, you are daily going to be dying to yourself if you're going to follow me. As Christians, we are not promised smooth sailing. There, there's a, um, a lesser form of the prosperity gospel movement that, you know, if somebody comes on TV and says, hey, send me $4,000 and you'll get a, you know, you, everybody kind of sees through that now, right? But there's a lesser form of it I hear on things like just Christian radio. I love Christian music, so don't get me wrong. I love good Christian music. But you know how in country music, the joke is like, if you listen to it long enough, then, you know, you, you lost your wife, you lost your truck, you lost your dog, you lost all this stuff. My, my concern sometimes with, with Christian music or just kind of Christian talk is that really Christian music is all about we won today. We won the battle. And, and things are good. And, and I'm going to win. And, and this is just victory, victory, victory. We absolutely have victory, absolutely, in Christ for eternity. There can be a, a false concept of, that just kind of seeps in by accident that we say, I'm, gonna, I'm always going to beat the cancer. I'm always gonna, she's going to live, and, and these are always going to be good things. We are just not promised to flourish on this earth. God does know the plans He has for you in heaven for you to prosper. It might be now, and it's good when He does, and we praise God for it. But God might be holding off because Christ went through the cross in a grave and then was resurrected. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we're going to celebrate the resurrection, we celebrate Good Friday too. We celebrate that sometimes life is really hard and sometimes that's where God shows up and does incredible things, far greater things than we even asked for. This church, Infinity Church, Ephesians 3.20, God does infinitely more than all we hope or imagine. Sometimes that's bringing you through incredible trials in order to bring you out to life that you never expected. That's the path of Christianity. The path of Christianity is not this steadily, steadily progressing job, steadily progressing bank account, steadily progressing relationships where things are just nice stair steps up. Sometimes our pattern of life looks like Jesus's, dead and resurrected. For us as Christians, we are called to follow Jesus into that. Follow Jesus and trust that He knows what He's doing. He is working something far greater than we imagine. And He's calling us to die to ourselves, so that we can have life in Him. The life that He just described for us and to these disciples that they're probably carried back to the Greeks didn't sound easy. The words He used were things like fall to the earth, the one who hates His life in this world, the one who is a servant of Jesus. Maybe that sounds like Jesus-y words and you say, oh yeah, sure, being a servant. Being a servant's hard work. These are not... These are not fluffy language. This is not fluffy language that Jesus is using to describe being a Christian. It's language of dying to ourselves, so that we may find something far greater than ourselves. 
It reminds me of Philippians 2.4, let each one of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. You know who I wake up every day looking forward to serving? Me. <laughs> I don't want to be that way. But my default nature is to think of my interest, my desires, my priorities. This is what I need to do. And God's word calls us to die to self, to put others' interest above our own. You read 1 Corinthians 13 about love. What, what do you hear there? Oh, it's all about me. It's all about doing what I want to do. No, no, no. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Love does not insist on its own way. That's hard. Or verse 4, love is patient and kind. Who do you really love more? The other person? Your spouse, your kids, your neighbor across the street, your coworker, or yourself? I'll be honest, who I'm tempted to love most is me. Not because I think that's a good thing. I'll tell you, I don't think it's a good thing. But that's my temptation, to seek my own interests, my own desires. But Jesus has promised a hard path a path of dying, but did you hear the reward? This is, this is not a bad deal. You, you don't come off like a little shorthanded here. This is a really good thing for us. Did you hear the words he used to describe it? He says, there, verse 26, where I am, there my servant will be also. It, it, these Greeks wanted to come hang out with Jesus because they heard he was famous. We know all the more how famous he is. And he says, I want to abide with you. You get to be with Jesus. What? No, you put me wherever I want. It doesn't matter what, how hard the situation is. We get to be with Jesus? Yeah, I'll take that, right? I'll take that. He says, you lay down your life, you hate your life in this world, you know what you get? You get to keep your life for eternity. You give up, you self-sacrifice, lay down your life for a few decades, you get all of eternity? Or the better one, even better, or just the, 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 the cherry on top, so to speak. Verse 26, if anyone serves me, the Father the Father will honor him. Can you just imagine, I don't know about you, but like my, my default is just to just never feel good enough. There's always one more thing to do. There's always something else to accomplish. You always, just always one more thing. You know what's going to happen for everybody who believes in Jesus and trusts in him? We're going to stand before the Father and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Not, not because we had all, all of our act together, not because everything was perfect, but because we trusted in Jesus. The Father will honor those who serve Him. This is not a uh, deal that I'm not sure if it's good enough. No, no, this is definitely a deal. We come out ahead. But it's not an easy one. It's a path that leads down into death in order that we can have life. Today is Easter Sunday. It's a day of resurrection. It's a day of celebrating life and new life. But I don't want you to forget how we got here. We got to... Easter Sunday because we went through Good Friday. We went through the cross so that we could have life. We went through death so we could have resurrection. That's the path Jesus took so that you could be saved, so you could have a relationship with Him for all of eternity. That's how you have life. And He's invited you to follow Him so that you can enjoy Him day by day and for all of eternity. The call for all of us, no matter, no matter what your walk is with the Lord, the call for all of us is the same. It's to lay down our lives to sacrifice ourselves, to give up what we want so we can get something far greater, greater, far better. We can get Jesus himself. Where, where are you pulled to, to serve yourself? Where are your desires self-motivated, self-focused? Where is God calling you to die to yourself so that you can have true life?
For some of you that, that are here today, maybe you've made a, a, at some point in your life, maybe as a child or something, you, you, you raised your hand in church or filled out a card or something, and, and you made a profession of faith and said, I'm a Christian. But you honestly look back over your life since then, and you're like, I, I don't know. I've been all over the place, and, and honestly, I'm not, I'm not with the Lord. Or for some of you, you, you've had no real experience in church, and you've never really put your faith in Jesus. And as I describe this, you say, I, I know a little bit of that about Jesus, but that's confusing to me. <laughs> and I got some questions. Or maybe for some of you, you're saying, I, I don't exactly know what's going on, but I know Jesus is better than everything I've been chasing. I know Jesus is greater, and I want that. I pray that God's Spirit will be drawing you to see Jesus is better than your self, self-focused, self-desired heart. There's nothing greater than Jesus himself. There's lots of good things in this world, lots of good gifts in this world, but eternity is in the balance. And the war is fought at the level of your heart. What do you truly desire? Do you desire yourself? Do you desire the things of this world? Or do you want something far greater? Jesus says, for all who have died to themselves, all those who have turned from their sins, all who've said, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. For all people who confess that and trust in Jesus to say, what He did on the cross paid for my sins and His resurrection defeated the devil forever. For everybody who believes that, they can know Him and be with Him today and for all of eternity. All of us, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, all of us are called to lay down our lives to give up ourselves, to sacrifice ourselves because there's something better. True life in Christ. But if you've never put your faith in Jesus, today would be a different kind of resurrection for you. It'd be the first time that you said, I I know Jesus as my Savior and I trust in Him. Today, maybe you want to pray that in your seat, but I I would encourage you to pray that with somebody else. To say, "I, I want to know more about this. Maybe you want to pray that at the altar. I'm happy to pray with you right here. But I pray that you would respond today in faith that you would die to self because there's a greater life to live. It's the life with Jesus Christ.